Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear Live number 78. It just feels like they go by so fast, right? Uh, soon we'll be 80. <laughs> uh, so it's great, but at least we're remembering to couple, do a couple things. I muted the thing so we don't have to hear me repeat talking when I usually start the channel. And uh, we're going to get into it today. There's a lot of good questions and then we'll do some shout outs and stuff. Let's go into the actual thing. There was a bunch of you guys already on here. Uh, so I want to take some questions. I was already kind of perusing a couple questions. One I liked right away was uh, the 11 said, Hey, Phil, just found the channel and subscribed. I bought a 78 Ibanez 2618 artist. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a guitar that I was made. It's made in Japan. And it's, uh, it's kind of always reminding me of kind of like a, 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 um, a Hamer guitar or like a Paul Reed Smith. Um, in fact, you know what? Let's look it up. Here, watch. I'll pull it up. Uh, okay, type that in. Here we go. Uh, just because I like to share. Why not share what it looks like? Start screen share. There you go. Looks like that, guys. Um, beautiful guitar. I always kind of wished this is where, uh, you know, a lot of these companies like Ibanez would just, they make some stuff, but I always love this guitar. It's just a great guitar. And I th I've always thought this, you know, a lot of people always compare Paul Reed Smith to Gibson's. You know, they copy Gibson, the copy Gibson's. I've always thought Paul Reed Smith are really more of a copy of Hamer guitars. I've always just felt that way. Um, but uh, anyways, back to this guitar. The question is, uh, what should he do? Uh, wait, hold on. There's more to it. It says in, in, it's in great condition. He bought it and it uh, hasn't been taken out of the case in 15 years. And that's, don't you love that when you find those guitars and they're just, you know, I mean, it's sad that they weren't being used, but it's good for you they weren't being used. Uh, how do clean? Uh, I'm sorry. The question is, how do you clean and protect the body's finish? On that guitar, there's nothing so dangerous not to use just regular guitar polish. I use Dunlop 65 polish. It's pretty good. I have no sponsorships, endorsements, or anything with anybody. Um, a lot of companies send me a lot of free um, uh, polishes. I have the stuff from Hosa. It's really good. I've tried that. Uh, I've tried the stuff uh, that was sent to me by uh, Daddario. Um, but uh, I, I, and I like them. I, I haven't found one yet that's kind of freaked me out um, that I don't like. Um, and in, we're just talking about guitar polishes. Now, in fretboard conditioners, there's a few that I'm not a fan of. Um, but in uh, polishes, but I use 65 the most. And here's why. Um, although I've never had any problems with the others, using fine. I've always kind of just really followed the rule for me, like with guitar stands, with polishes, with polish cloths, with anything that is got the potential to damage my instrument i want the brand name on there of the company that's backing the product i i just want to know who i'm going to contact uh and i feel always confident you know what i mean when it's like dunlop or somebody especially somebody who's in the accessory business somebody who's you know not going to be annoyed uh you know uh that if i call their company and they're like well we sell guitars and yeah we brand our name on some polish contact them you know i really want to feel like hey if i call dunlop they're going to take care of it so so i think you're safe with dunlop 65. uh the only thing i do is my personal thing i spritz it right on the polished cloth or the rag uh you know which is like a microfiber cloth and then just wipe it on the guitar it, but that's just you know because over time that stuff will build up so there you go uh there's a super chat from javon 231 who says watching from the hospital thanks for the show well i'm glad you joined us uh i'm glad you're hanging out i'm sorry that you're in the hospital hopefully it's for something uh you know not so bad or and if it is a little bad i hope we can try to make the day a little fun talk about some guitars so let me know if there's anything else you want to talk about especially guitar related um uh, Kyle's got a question. I don't know the answer to, but I like the 
the question. It says, anyone ever paint any of their guitar hardware before? Uh, any advice? Um, you know, that's a good question because I've never done that. I've ne you know, I, I, so I don't know, but I'd like answering a question like that because you never know when someone, what I, what I've learned is the guy or gal that's going to have the great experience. The information is probably not going to be a luthier. It's going to be some painter out there. And I know some of you guys have, you know, do all kinds of stuff for a living. If you're a painter and you have any, uh, insight or experience and how you can share with Kyle and us and me too. Cause I'm curious too. I've always thought about that. Like sometimes I have, uh, you know, some hardware that I'd like to paint black, but you know, a fear of spraying it over Chrome. I have no experience and it's not something that repairing a guitar, uh, would teach me to do. You know what I mean? That's a painting thing. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have any advice, but I'd love to hear if anyone else does. Um, Especially since one thing I've always uh, had a pet peeve for, I don't know about you guys, you ever notice that black hardware tends to cost more than Chrome hardware? <laughs> I always thought that was silly. Uh, and maybe, again, I'm not a painter, so it could be this thing that I'm just, I always assumed it's because people kind of want black hardware more, so they put a premium on it. But sometimes I've noticed that in a lot of cases, black hardware costs uh, more. And when I say more, sometimes it's equal. But even if it's equal, to me, it's like more. It's kind of like when a guitar is uh, painted flat black or a flat matte color. I know, I know because I've been in almost every factory, I realize that when you're there and they talk about flat paints, how much money it saves them in time with not having to buff it and repaint it and do all this stuff. And, and yet I always laugh when I see a guitar, not only be the same price as a guitar that's gloss, but sometimes have a higher price point and it's flat, you know, a flat color. And I go, wow, and they save money on the flat color, but they get the premium for it too. So, um, you know, but if it's what you like, you got to pay for it, but it's still, it's still kind of like, ah, oh, it seems kind of scammy. That's the word we're going to use for that scammy. So there you go. Um, Let's see. Um, let's see. What else do we got going on? Oh, okay. So David Hunter says paint on metalwork, sandblast the finish off, fine grit, prime color, top coat, then clear. That's kind of what I was hoping not to hear. <laughs> David, thank you for, for, I kind of, I kind of, kind of already knew that I was, but I was hoping there was a, you know, cool uh, answer. Cool meaning lazy and easy. So uh, let's see. What else do we got? Oh, okay, they popped up more. Um, okay, here's a great question. Uh, HK says, could you recommend an 8-ohm 12-inch speaker cab for a Fender Supersonic 22? I don't need a huge volumes. So I have experimented heavily with my Supersonic 22. And... Uh, my, my, so far my experiment, uh, I, I've tried the, uh, the Creamback Neo. I've tried the vintage 30. I've tried the uh, Greenback, uh, Celestion for me and my ear and what I like, it seems like the amp does the best with eminence style speakers. So, uh, for the cabinet, um, what I would recommend is going with something like that something that has an eminence in it. As for a cabinet, the thing I, I wish Fender would make is a 112 uh, cabinet for the supersonic series. They make the 212, which is a very large, large cabinet. If you haven't seen it in real life, you have to understand it's a huge footprint. Um, it's even wider than a 412. Um, but uh, 
for our 112 cabinet, if you want something specifically supersonic, you can always go to Mojo uh, Tone. They make cabinets that will fit that head perfectly. The other option you have, which it's a little out of alignment but works, is you can also look at the Hot Rod Deluxe cabinets by Fender and uh, look at those speakers and make make choices off the speakers. But uh, I would really like uh, to, to reiterate that as much as I wanted to try every speaker and fall in love with it, the eminence really seems to be the best uh, for the supersonic 22. But again, hopefully there's other players out there. that tried the supersonic 22 again. I like the feedback because I'm about six speakers into the 22. In other words, purchasing speakers and trying them and not coming with anything better than the stock eminence that's in it. Uh, and uh, you know, whew, you know, that stuff starts adding up after a while. You know what I mean? You, yeah. <laughs> I even tried the Jensen. I should have won that too. I have an Italian Jensen 112. I tried. Uh, oh, Matt Manson says, Hey, uh, how do you feel? Hey, Phil, how do you feel about the, uh, is it Sire? Sire bases by, um, Marcus Miller. Haven't tried one. I wish I could. Uh, I love Marcus Miller. So you guys know he's my, him and, uh, Michelle and Deo Cello are my two favorite bass players of all time. Uh, it, overall Marcus Miller is my favorite bass player of all time. I got to meet Marcus Miller at, uh, one time and, uh, Ralph was with me and made fun of me. You probably always know it. Ralph likes to bust my chops. I, I have never fallen apart as much as I did when I got to meet Marcus Miller. He, you know why it's because, uh, you know, sometimes when you meet your idols, there's always this intimidation factor there, but Marcus Miller is just so cool being cool. You know, when you meet rock stars, you know, they're, they're famous, but you secretly, I'm aware of the fact that they're famous, but they're still kind of like normal dudes you know you know what i mean they're just normal people that just happen to be famous and, they, and they're talented and but marcus is not only talented and famous he's cool you know so when i walk up to him uh here's what's funny when i walk up to him i said uh when i shook his hand i said you're marcus miller you're awesome and then ralph goes you just told him his name like he didn't know what his name was well which uh yeah but uh, it doesn't matter. The important part is i got to shake marcus miller's hand uh if you guys don't know who marcus miller is man look him up that guy is Again, he's the reason I play bass. Um, okay. Uh, what else do we got? I, as talking so long, I skipped some questions. Let's go back. Let's 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 hit some more. And I'll, I'll, while we're at it, I need to pull up. Sorry, guys, but the super chats I like to pull them in a log. Um, they have a little log for me over here so that I can jump around and see all the comment, all the questions and comments. And uh, that's what's that's what's great about the super chats is, like I said, I I've said this before. I'll say it again on the live shows. If I have to go a little long on the hour, we'll do it to get the super chats. But uh, but uh, I want to you know get all the. I'm trying to find great questions, and you guys have so many great questions. But there's some I think are more interesting to the majority of us than just specific. Um, and try to get to to get to to, to everything interesting. Um, Oh, uh, Ju Julian Doe says, Hey, Phil, what's the difference between the PV5150 and the EVH5153? This is a good question um, because you could easily say they're the same, but I don't think so. The biggest difference to me, and when we talk about the original PV5150 and the new EVH5150, and we're going to say, for, for lack of argument, we're going to go with the 100-watt amps. To me, the EVH5153 adds an amazing clean channel. That's what I 
uh, specifically can say I like. Um, I have a friend, his name's Thor. He's an amazing guitar player and he's really into the 5150s by PV. And um, he got a 5153 uh, 50 watt head from me and he doesn't like it as much as the PV. And he, A beat him, showed me what he liked about each one. And I agreed the original PV 5150 had some kind of magic to it. Um, and that's maybe because of James Brown, man. James, James Brown, not the not the hardest working showman, or um, showman, hardest working man in show business. James Brown, James Brown, the amp builder. James Brown is the guy who uh, designed the PV fifty one fifty. So, in my ears, uh, what Julian, what I'm going to say is this: I prefer the PV fifty one fifty's tone to the new EVH fifty one fifty. Some people may um, disagree. That's fine. I mean, I'm not saying I dislike one and like the other. Just you know. One's a 10 and one's a nine. And, but the EVH, uh, definitely the clean's a 10 and the the PVs is a, a seven. So it's, it, see, I, that's the thing uh, for sure. Plus the other thing about the PV 5150s is even the block letter ones, even the value ones are still a fraction where PV really used to own the market. I love this story. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to take a second to tell it. You know what I love about the PV 5150? I love, this is why I love James Brown and the guy who designed it and why I like that amp. I always tell I love this story. It's let's say if you saw a millionaire and you went to their house and they had a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and a Mercedes and you know, right. And some kind of crazy Ducati motorcycle and whatever, you know, and, and then they had a pickup truck, a really nice pickup truck. You wouldn't think that was weird. You'd be like, Oh, that's their sports car. That's their touring car. That's their, you know, uh, you know, this car, this is their truck. Right. Um, but even though all those cars are like hundreds, $200,000, $300,000, and then of sort of all of a sudden there's like a, a $50,000 truck, it doesn't seem weird. When you go into studios, high end studios and you see diesels and, and Bogners and, and, um, you know, Dumbles and all these crazy expensive amps, you know, 5,000, 4,000, 6,000, $10,000 amps. And then you see a PV, which is like a $500 to $700, uh, amp, you know, when you find them on the market, it doesn't seem weird because like that pickup truck. It just has a purpose and its purpose is that's that modern metal sound, you know, and that's what a PV should always get credit for. That amp is sits, it sits in a room full of boutique amps and it doesn't have to apologize for what it is. And that's an impressive thing. So that's my tangent on the two 5150s. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Okay, uh, this is for, uh, for Serang. Serang says, hey, Phil, how do you age a Perloid Strat pickguard apart from spending 30 years playing it? There's a lot of tricks. Perloid is a little trickier than, let's say, a normal plastic pickguard. Like when I've aged uh, pickguards, and I've tried all the things. You can watch a lot of YouTube videos, which I did about you know eight years ago, and got some ideas, and I tried them. One, of course, is uh, you know soaking them in tea, you know, just making tea or coffee. And putting the pickguard in tea and coffee, plus, you know, your your guitar is going to smell like a Starbucks, which is not a horrible thing, I guess. You know, smells like a coffee joint. Um, but, uh, and that will age them. What I, but I can tell you for this, the perloid, I've had the biggest problem getting the perloid to age. Um, the other thing you can do, there's a couple things you can do. So I'm going to give you the suggestions that I've worked for me to age them the way I've done it. Obviously, staining them or soaking them in warm uh, tea or coffee uh, for a long period of time is always, you know, it has an effect. It's, it's a staining agent. It will stain. The other thing that works, believe it or not, perloid is ultraviolet light, uh, not heat. So you're not looking for heat. You're looking for light. Believe it or not, um, people don't realize this, but a tanning bed is uh, a great way to destroy a guitar's finish. 
versus, uh, you know, people think that they, you know, when they crack finishes, sometimes they heat them and cool them, heat them and cool them, and all that they do that. And sometimes they use X-Acto knives. You know, believe it or not, you can use ultraviolet light. That's what's breaking down. That's what aged the uh, the perlite pickguard anyways. So um, you can put it on light. The problem is, is that it takes weeks and weeks of it being under a lamp uh, of, uh, to, 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 to do any difference. Now, if you're lucky enough to live in an environment where you're outside, where I live, if I put the pick guard outside in the, in the sunlight, it's going to melt because it's just too hot. But if you're in a place where it's not going to melt, cause it's maybe it's like 70 degrees outside and sunny, you can use the sun, but you understand it. it you got to catch up. You know, what fades them is years of ultraviolet light. Um, so you need, uh, you know, days and days and days, if not weeks of light. So that's a way to do that too. And I've had great success with that. And in fact, so, you know, on the perlite pick guards, I can honestly say I've had great success even when I didn't want it. In other words, I've had them, uh, age when I didn't want them to age because they were in the light. So something to think about. Um, okay. Uh, just, I'm just perusing real quick, guys. Uh, Coyote Jones says, do I have a favorite among the uh, Fender Bass Breaker amps? I do. My favorite is the 7 watt amp. Uh, that's the one I just kind of love and enjoy. I wish I had reverb, um, but doesn't. The 15 is then my fa second favorite. But keep in mind, those are just, they're useful to me. I was not a big fan of the 1830. Um, it's really loud. I think it's a good amp, but it's loud. The 45 one, again, it's so loud. Even with that attenuation thing or that one, it was just too loud. Um, I wish they would have made the 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 7 water, you know what I mean, with some more features. I think that'd be great. But I really like the 7 water. That's the amp I got rid of and I kind of regret. So... Uh, Dan, uh, says, how do you stop fingernail splitting while, uh, uh, fingernail picking, uh, finger picking? Um, you know, I, I have friends that are guitar players that do a lot of finger picking and, uh, they'll use nail polish, clear nail polish. I've seen them use it, whether it works, I don't know, but, but I mean, they are friends that are literally, they play a lot of flamenco and classical guitar, uh, gigging out and, um, and they'll put nail polish on their nails. Um, and then, of course, any kind of diet, I'm sure that strengthens your nails is good. If anyone else got any suggestions, I don't know any others. Um, uh, Igor says, hey, would you ever review uh, a Reverend Guitars, the Railhammer pickups, or will you ever? Uh, yes, I, I think eventually I'll come by a Reverend. I mean, that's that's just kind of the the thing there's a you know what it is I, I came with this idea a couple weeks ago i start. i wrote a bucket list of guitars i'd like to review you know kind of like that hey you know before the channel dies and it all goes away and nobody watches anymore which can happen you know yesterday or three weeks from now or years from now who knows but you know what do i want to make sure i get done you know what things do i want to see and reverend is actually was on the list it was a guitar i was on the list i was curious and matt madsen just did a super chat i appreciate that matt man that's cool it helps the channel go it's nice it's like um, okay. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, jo Joseph said to put formaldehyde in the nail polish. I don't even, I don't even, why not? I guess I've never heard anything like that. I didn't even know you can buy formaldehyde. <laughs> and then, uh, 
Karsten said super glue uh, for, yeah, for flamingo nails. Super glue is something I use quite often. I'll put it on my fingertips even. Um, you know, sometimes you, you know, when you have, uh, you know, a, a cut or a bruise, I've, I've especially like a paper cut or a, a, just a cut. If I ever cut my finger, I'll super glue it up so I can play guitar. And then you just kind of reapply super glue as needed because it comes, it wears off. A lot of people are saying super glue. So super glue might work. It doesn't sound horrible. Uh, HK did supersonic 22 head 12 inch cab that will suit both clean channel and burn channel. Should I go vintage 30 cream back or eminence? Uh, thanks for the advice, uh, for people like me that, uh, like Marshall's too. I know, man, I'm telling you, uh, HK, I, I, I'm eminence. I, I did, I did exactly. I vintage 30. So literally I have those speakers downstairs in the shop the vintage 30 the cream back i have the cream back neo but pete thorne said he liked the cream back neo more than the cream back uh and i so i mean i, I that's a good you know good recommendation um so i've done the vintage 30 the green back and the cream back all in that amplifier in the supersonic uh 22 uh cabinet and um and the eminence uh is the winner so far and the reason is is because here's why and maybe this will help you uh HK either decide to do it or decide maybe to pass on my advice. The issue I have with the supersonic is it goes from this area where I like the tone of the distortion, the clean, the imminence definitely wins for the clean. There's no question about that because it warms it up and makes it full softer, nicer, just better overall clean. But for the distortion, I think the supersonic has this point where it gets nice and then it gets fizzy and I don't like the fizz. And the, for some reason, the vintage 30, the cream back, uh, and the and the greenback all added to the fizz issue. So it thinned out the clean and it made it a little more, you know, right, a little brighter. And then it, it literally made the distortion fizzier. So the eminence warmed it up the best and made the sound fuller. So that's, that's why I'm recommending what I'm recommending. Um, now here's the interesting thing, HK, and this will add to the thing too, but I've experienced with two 12 cabinets that all of a sudden vintage thirties and stuff work great with the supersonic. So your supersonic 22 head, keep that in mind at two twelve, I wouldn't say two eminences. I would go with the two uh, vintage thirties. I thought it sounded great. There's, I think with the two speakers and the bigger cabinet, it adds the warmth and then the fizz doesn't really bother as much because there's a lot of bass. Uh, and, and I mean, when I say a lot of bass, I don't mean bassy, uh, you know, fender amps never have a lot of low end in these type of amplifiers, especially supersonic 22, but but there you go. And I, so, you know, I, I love my supersonic 22. It's an amp that I've just, it's hung around forever and I don't plan to ever get rid of it. Um, okay. Uh, guns gunk. Nope. Gunky zip said, I found a listing for an 85 Randy Rhodes Jackson for four bucks. He's saying, Oh, he sanded off the finish and stained the body and the headstock. Any tips to get to not get ripped off? Yeah, I would, it's an 85. So, when you say 85, what I don't know is, is that I think 85 is pre Japanese. So it's gotta be an American Jackson. I don't know. It's tough. Like, I don't know when they started doing the, the main Japan stuff. So $400 for a, 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 a main Japan, Randy Rhodes Jackson, that's got a sanded finish is too much. But if it's an American made, uh, it's worth it in the idea that if he sanded all the finish off the body and stuff, but see, when you say and headstock, does that mean the logo is gone? And uh, so here's the, uh, I'll answer both ends. If he sanded the headstock and removed the logo, dude, the guitar's value is junk. It's gone. Even if it's American made, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's really, it's it's tough. Whether it made it's worth, whether it's made $400, I don't know. But I know it can't be made, worth much more than that. But again, here's the deal. 
uh, I, I'm a real stickler about that. When when guys uh, sand off the logos off headstocks, it always kills value. I mean, dramatically. Um, so that's just be aware of that. Now, if you sanded the headstock, but the logo is still there or something like that, or it's, you know, can be repainted or re redone. Um, maybe it's a good guitar to put some money into, but you're going to have to have it repainted because if it's an American Japanese or American Jackson, you know, uh, American Jackson's can pull enough value that if you have $400 into it and you add $600 for a paint job, you have $1,000 into it. But it, unless you really want this guitar, it doesn't sound like it's a deal to that you have to have. I'll say it again. I'll say it over and over again. Um, remember, your money will always run out before deals run out. So never jump on a deal because it's a deal of a lifetime. There is no such thing as a deal of a lifetime. Not that I've seen. Um, now, when I say no such thing, sure, somebody's going to comment, ah, I bought a 59 Les Paul for $1.85. Sure, whatever. But what I promise you is this. Whatever deal you're coming across, there's another one down the road. You know what I mean? That's the beautiful part about this. So um, if it feels great, you want it, you're willing to put the money into it, do it. But if you're asking me and you're, Willing to give me five bucks to ask the question? I'm going to say I would pass. Wait for the better deal. Uh, Hannah Gunson said, uh, "Did the Les Paul's quality very much on 70s, 80s, and 90s?" You know what? I hear that all the time. Uh, you know, right? 70s were bad years, 80s or some years were good years, and then there's 90s and all this stuff. You know, my thing about Gibson has always been. I'm going to tell you. I was. Uh, this is going to come up. I was. Ma I made a joke last week, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you the joke. Uh, you know, they're looking for a new CEO at Gibson. And I said, oh, I should apply for the job because everybody's saying that as a joke, right? I should apply for the job. Not me, but just, you know, everybody's saying they should they should apply for the job. And I was saying, yeah, I'll apply for the job. Here's what I would do if I ran Gibson. I would say, hey, guess what? The new thing at Gibson is no new things. Basically, the guitars are going to make them just like we did. We're adding no new models, no new colors, no new nothing. This is my joke, of course. And then I said, but I would drive to the nearest guitar center go pick out the best Epiphone I can take it back to the factory, hand it to the quality assurance manager and say, okay, make sure all the Gibsons leave like this. And then uh, add uh, two more lines of quality assurance. I've come up with this conclusion that Gibson's biggest problem has never been how they build guitars. It's the quality assurance, letting guitars through. Um, and that's because when you make high end guitars, when you make high end anything, you shouldn't make a lot of it because that's the point of being high end is that it's, it's discerning. It's, it's quality. Um, so, so Hanner, I, I, I found with Gibson, I hate to say it because they, cause not because they're Gibson, not because they're, you know, any other reason when a company makes a lot of anything, it's, it's just hard because somebody could pick up seven guitars from the seventies and they just happen to be pick out good ones and say seventies are good. Um, my issue is like the Norlin years are a little tough because they like to do the two piece, like the two piece, you know, bodies where they, they two piece this way, not two piece like the width, but two piece like deep. And then the maple necks are weird to me. So the seventies less Paul's never appeal appealed to me because the maple necks are kind of strange and the two piece bodies. Um, so it, it's different, different, you know, different qualities for different folks. My thing is I like the traditional less Paul. That's the vibe I'm going for here. And the reason why is I, I I've decided for me, um, if I want something different in a less Paul, there's so many great companies that make a less Paul style guitar better than Gibson, that the only reason I would go to Gibson is get the original thing, right? So there you go. Let's find a, um, yeah, this is a great question because it's impossible. Uh, I'm going to say pie, pie sign something. I don't know. 
Can't see how that works. Pysime. Uh, hey, Phil, thoughts on Sterling Access versus Fender Player Series Strat? Love this question because that's an impossible question to answer. Uh, the Sterling Access stuff. Uh, Sterling Access is a great playing guitar. I, I pick it up and it's one of those like, I would definitely, you know, it's funny. Here's what I would say. If I was going to pick the top five quality guitars in the mid price range category, it would be the Fender Player Series Sterling guitars like the Access. Um, uh, Schechter guitars, the, the main Korean ones, you know, that are, that are good. Uh, gosh, you know, uh, you know, I said five and now I only got three, three. Um, the, um, what else do I like? Uh, I really like those. Oh, you know what? I really liked, uh, you know, diamond guitars. We were talking about that today. I like the quality of those guitars too. Um, and, and, uh, one more for fun. Uh, you know, I'd love to say Ibanez because I'm such an Ibanez freak, but to be honest with you, that's not a, I'm trying to say if I say this guitar, try it, you're going to have a good experience. Um, another guitar in that, you know what? It, it would probably be like the PRS SEs, which are basically Schecters. So, um, cause, cause they're made in Korea, the Indonesian ones I'm not familiar with yet. So anybody has questions about the new PRS Indonesian guitars? I know nothing. I've never even seen one personally. So I couldn't tell you if they're anything even close to the old, uh, Korean ones now, but the point, uh, to, to answer your question is both those guitars, it's a preference of what you like, not of quality. They're equal in quality in my mind, uh, especially in my experiences with them. Uh, Metal Freak 2000 said, ever do an active pickup in the bridge and a passive in the next setup? Uh, I've never done it for myself, but I've wired at least two or three for customers. Um, it's, uh, it's not, you know, people's like, some people say you can't do it. Obviously I've done it. Uh, I think a lot of technicians have done them. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you don't want to do it. It's, it's a, mostly it's because of mismatching of sound and it's all, basically what you have to do is almost route everything separate. So that's the other problem. But the biggest issue is, uh, that you have to overcome and figure out is this, when you have an active pickup, what you'll have on the output jack that's the important part is you'll have three tabs and um the three tabs are going to be your hot and two grounds different than the normal uh output jack that has a hot and a ground and the reason why you have a third ground is that ground when it is engaged when the when the the plug uh enjoins into the uh, output jack that ground when it touches it completes the circuit which activates the battery right and so as long as there's an, uh, a, a guitar plug in the output jack you're on the battery and once you plug it off you're off the battery and without that the battery would just keep running because it would be it would be you know because the only way to do it is completed circuit so it gets a little tricky um so uh what i did and there's probably different ways to do it uh what i did was i came up with i i installed a push pull knob on the active side. So when I did an active and passive, how I did it was it was on a guitar that had four knobs. So what I did is I did uh, active to the volume tone and passive to the volume tone. Then I routed them individually to the, uh, the three-way switch and then and, and out to the output jack. And then I added a push pull on the volume that turned the battery on and off. So the downfall for, for the player was is when they weren't playing the guitar, they had to literally pop the volume knob up to turn the battery off. Otherwise the battery would continue to drain. That was the issue I had. And, um, and then, uh, I don't remember off the hand, but I used a resistor in the three-way switch to equalize the volumes a little bit, but, uh, it was something I didn't want to do. And then the only reason I did it the second time is because I had done it the first time and somebody asked me to do it again. Uh, it's not something I would recommend. It's one of those, uh, I hate to say it. I'm going to put it in the category as somebody made me do it. 
Somebody came in the shop and said, Hey, I'll pay you. I want this done. And the only answer you have is if you say no, they're just going to go to some other shop and you know what I mean? And uh, you know, that's how you pay the bills. And of course, you know, customers always right. If they want it. Um, plus the first time it was really about trying to figure out how to do it, especially since they said they came in the store and said, I remember, I'll remember this. I'll never forget it. They came in and they said, I was told you can't do this. Can you do it? And I said, well, I don't know. Let me write out the schematic and see what I can come up with. Um, but I surfed the internet and I couldn't find one. Uh, okay. What else? We got another one here. Here's uh here's Josh. Josh says, Hey, Phil is Mexican strat. Good idea for a project guitar looking to make a copy of an early nineties, American Floyd Rose classic, Richie Sambora strat model. Sure. Of course, you know, right. It's where you're comfortable. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about obviously installing a Floyd Rose into a Mexican strat and cutting it up and doing stuff. And I don't think there's any, you know, concerns there. The guitar, I think that's a, I would prefer it over a lower price guitar. You know, you're starting with a good guitar. You're going to add the things you like to it. You'll come out, you know, to where you want. Uh, so something, something to think about, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's a comfort, that's an easy decision because it's comfort. If you're comfortable chopping up a $500 guitar, chop away. People do a lot more to a lot more expensive guitars. So it's, it's good. Um, if I was going to, I will tell you this. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Floyd Rose person. I have a bunch of Floyd Roses and I like them, but I'm not huge on them. But if I was going to take a Strat, like if somebody said, take a Strat and trick it out, dump all your money into it. Yeah, that'd be a fun video. The guitar I would pick is a Mexican Strat because I know me. I know if I took a Mexican Strat and I really put, you know, killer pickups, killer bridge, killer components, tricked it all, had it custom painted. I'd keep that guitar forever because I, I like Mexican strats. I like the vibe of them. Um, one thing about Mexican strats that I've always loved is that there's more to them than just how good quality there is in the price point. For me, it's a vibe. It's the working musician's guitar. There's just something that is so cool about that. It's the, you know, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a Chevy pickup truck. I'm sorry if you're a Ford guy, but it's a, you know, a Ford pickup truck. If you're a Ford guy or a Dodge truck, if you're a Dodge guy, but it, or girl or whatever, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's the working musicians guitar. It's such a great guitar because I love it when I'm at festivals and all of a sudden somebody's got a Mexican Strat on stage and you're like, think about this. There's a $500 guitar competing with guitars that are, you know, thousands of dollars and it, and no one, no one cares. So great guitar to start with. Great, great, great project guitar too. So, and I think you'll be better off at the end. You'll have a better a guitar. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, what else you got? Oh, Richard Brubaker. Great question. How do I justify the purchase of a guitar sight unseen it, it, man I, you know what here's what i can tell you uh richard and and again i like to just jump to my experiences you know my personal experiences um because that means i've paid the price and hopefully you can learn from it what i can tell you a little secret for me about purchasing guitars like on the internet sight unseen in other words you know um if I, when I look at my guitar collection over the years, people, you know, especially on YouTube, you guys can do that too. You can go back over time and go, yeah, you don't have the guitar anymore. Or you still have this guitar. When I look at my guitars over the last, let's say 10 years, just pick 10 year mark and start looking at guitars at 10 years. What I noticed was the guitars that I have longer than let's say five years of those 10 years, I actually purchased them through playing them first. So I've learned personally that if I buy 10 guitars, sign on scene on the internet, I'm probably only going to keep one or two. 
So I think it can be done. I think buying guitars sound unseen is, is easy, is, is it can be done. But what I really think happens to the majority of us players is, is you're playing Russian roulette, you're playing a game, you're playing the odds game. And, um, and, and, and financially I can tell you over time, I, I never win from it. Um, and that's why certain guitars, like I, 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 you've heard me say this already. I have a really heavy Gibson Les Paul. It's really heavy. It's in the other room. It's like 11 pounds and I don't love it, but I have purchased so many guitars, sun and seen and had so many miserable experiences. I refuse to buy my next, uh, Les Paul until I physically touch it because I just can't do it. Even with Sweetwater, where they tell you the weight and you see the pictures can't do it. So, yep. There's something to be said about trying it first. Uh, James Casper says, Phil, why are acoustic amps made with almost all eight inch drivers? I want acoustic with at least a 12. You know what it has to do? It has to do with, uh, think about it like bass players. Like a lot of bass players are using 10 inch speakers, four tens versus a one fifteen. You know, if you go back to the, to the seventies, bass players, man, 15s and 18s, remember, uh, you know, remember, does anyone remember the PVs with the one eighteen inch speaker or the two tens and the 18, um, bass players want all that low frequency. And over time you, you learn that that the smaller speakers like four tens equal out to a 15 or maybe that's a 118 four tens equal to like an 18 uh because they go off to like the the physical size you know uh, and but more importantly the eight inch drivers they have a lot of clarity to them that's what the tens get for the bass you get low end frequency and you actually produce a lot of low end but you produce it in the frequency range that you want so there's a reason why acoustic amps do the eight inch drivers there there's a lot more into the experimentation than you can imagine however uh if you want an acoustic amp with a 12 inch speaker man don't forget the california blonde by swr it's not made anymore but you can pick them up for a for a a song uh james that's what you want to google right now that is one of my all-time favorite acoustic amps and that's another reason why eight inch drivers is because they'll use neo uh speaker ma uh, magnets and get the weight lighter a lot of acoustic amps are the logic is if you're playing an acoustic amp you're probably a singer songwriter playing a coffee shop that's the customer they envision when they build a lot of these amps because uh, acoustic amp is for the player that isn't bringing a pa right? Because otherwise you could probably bring a PA and a preamp for your acoustic. So singer songwriter, you know, in a small situation, the amp needs to be light. It needs to do a lot of things. But if you want a 112 acoustic uh, amp, uh, I don't think you could do any better than uh, the uh, the uh, California Blonde by SWR. Um, but again, it's out of production, but you can find them used and they were new, probably $1,200. I don't know. They were a lot. And now you can find them for a lot less. The, um, the Shenandoah by Jensmans is great, but I think that's another 2.8. I don't think that's the 112. If I'm wrong, you know, when you Google them, it's Shenandoah by uh, uh, Jensmans, Jensgens. Uh, well, it's probably Jensgens because his name's Jeff Gensler, right? But anyways, uh, definitely check those out. Okay, what else do we got? You know what? While we're doing that, I am going to reference a couple backlog ones I've been penning too. Uh, oh, uh, I want my $2 said just able to join just now. Basically, uh, it says, what telly did you get a or B? If you guys don't follow me on Instagram on Instagram, I like to put stuff. And the other day you guys were smart. I put, Hey, tellies a or B, which one? And, uh, it was probably looked like I was just saying, which one do you like? But really he caught it. I'm, I was buying one and I was just sitting there driving myself crazy 
for hours going, which one do I want? I want a Telecaster with humbuckers. Um, you know, as you guys know, I play a Strat with humbuckers. And uh, I have this telly behind me that I love, but I want a telly with humbuckers. And I was uh, going crazy. Uh, so the answer uh, I want my $2 back is I went with A, but I, uh, I when I say I went with, I'm actually dealing it, dealing with it right now. I don't know if it's going to be that, uh, that gray blue color or if it's going to be sunburst, but that's what I went with was the non-flamed one. Um, and uh, you guys were awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, it was tight. I think it was like 65% said A or 60% said A and 40% said B. And, and, um, but what I loved was a lot of you guys put these great comments in there, like, you know, what you liked about each one and why. And, uh, and I was really tough. And, you know, uh, and the biggest issue for me was B, which is a flame top telly. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, it was like a little bit more. That's the, that was what started the problem. They wanted a lot of money for it. Hold on real quick. My throat is going dry. Um, the, uh, Jeremy red, uh, red door says thoughts on rich light used on Gibson's over three K. I hate it. Um, I have no problems with rich light as a material. Um, is it the future of guitars? Absolutely. Is, uh, is it good? Sure. Why not? There's, there's nothing I really have to say negative about rich light. Um, I, I like the theory behind it. They're using like pressed paper. If you guys don't know what rich light is, rich light is a company that makes uh, material that they now make fretboards out of. It's, uh, uh, for lack of a better understanding of it is that it's paper compressed with some kind of epoxy resins, I'm sure. And, uh, using different densities of paper and other thing materials, they can make it feel and sound like, uh, rosewood versus, uh, ebony. I have a guitar with rich light ebony fretboard, uh, which is my golden. Um, but you know, to me, the idea of using a man-made material, uh, is fantastic, but here's where I'm confused when if you're if you're of a certain age you probably remember when uh fox furs and uh rabbit fur coats were a thing my mother had both a rabbit fur coat and a fox fur thing i don't know when i was a kid it was a thing uh that's not a thing anymore <laughs> Right. I don't think so. I don't know if people still buy Fox fur coats and rabbit fur coats. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I wear t-shirts and hats. What do I know? But that's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is if somebody told me like a rabbit fur coat was a thousand dollars now, I'd, you know, uh, or, or whatever. I'd be like, all right. But if somebody told me a fake rabbit fur coat was a thousand dollars, I'd be like, why is it a thousand dollars? It's fake. It's like made, you know, it's easy. So, uh, that's my issue. Yes. Rich light fretboards on Gibson's over three K is a little weird. Um, I don't agree. Why would you make a, uh, Les Paul custom, which is a limited expensive guitar that, and, and so, you know, Jeremy's being nice over three K dude, they're, they're $4,500. So, um, and I actually have, again, we're, we're sharing stories today. This is a true story. A buddy of mine, his wife knew that he wanted a, uh, a, a Les Paul, a custom in white. And she called me up and she said, Hey, Phil, I know, you know, things. Can you tell me where I should buy this guitar? She goes, I was thinking about getting it on Sweetwater. And I said, Hey, just so you know, there's a store locally that has an old stock one on the wall. They want $500 less than Sweetwater. And it actually has Ebony fretboard because before the change, go get it. And she went down and got it and she got it for him. She gave it to him. Of course, he was in love with it because who wouldn't like to come home to a white Gibson, uh, Les Paul uh, Supreme, right? Custom, custom, Les Paul cu sus, custom, sorry. And 
he called me up to say thank you because he said, you know, I was looking at it online at, and I never noticed that they were using Rich Life Fretboards. I thought for that kind of money, I was getting real ebony. And uh, that's my thing. So I just wish that, I think it's cool. If they make Rich Light uh, guitar fretboards, I think it's cool. But I just wish there would be an account for the the savings and cost. You know, give somebody 50 bucks off. Let them feel like they're helping the environment and saving some money. Um, okay, Justin says, Phil, I bought a fret file, touch-up sticks and mesh pads uh, for frets. What videos are uh, you doing? Uh, wait, what videos... What video shows you doing it? Uh, I think it was a Sharpa Max. Yeah, on the Sharpa Max videos doing it, there's actually a couple of them. Um, and uh, there's a couple of the videos I did where I, I do that as well. And there's a couple of videos coming up that I'm doing that. Um, touch up Fred Wiles. But all the Sharpa Max videos I've, I've done touch up. I'm trying to think of the one. Probably the Squire one I do the most touch up because that had a lot of fret shrinkage. So check that one out. So let's go back because I'm catching some of your guys' other questions. How are we doing on time? We're doing great. There's 840 of us hanging out. Um, oh, you know what? D has a question. What's on your pedal board at the minute? Uh, nothing. Uh, so I have four pedal boards. All four are blank right now. Um, and so, you know, when I say four pedal boards, I literally have a pedal board for YouTube demos that I use, uh, for demos. And then I have a personal board that I use all the time. And then I have a board that was sent to me for review. Um, but I'm actually building out my pedal boards this weekend. Um, I will, uh, link in this video when those videos release, I don't put the plan to put those videos on the main channel, me building my pedal boards. So many channels do building pedal board videos and they seem to never get any views. I, that's why I've kind of stayed away from it. It seems like something that you guys aren't really interested in. Um, but, uh, I, I plan to do something different. I'm, I, I just told, uh, Lawrence, my buddy, uh, this the other day, I said, I, I plan to build one of my pedal boards. Um, and keep it for like the next year the way it is, uh, you know, just with the certain pedals on there. Cause I'm about to do some traveling and, um, uh, and I need to take it for travel. Actually, I need it for, for purpose. Uh, cause I'm going to be doing some cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff coming up man. I'm super excited about. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you guys hanging out an hour deep into this thing. Might as well tell you, I'm super stoked. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you, but, uh, the, uh, uh, Tim Pierce, who's an amazing musician an amazing guy, invited me to come to LA and come hang out with him. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to do some crazy content together, um, with some other, uh, noteworthy YouTubers that I don't feel comfortable telling you about because, you know, I, you know, they may or may not get to hang out with us depending on the situation, but, uh, we're going to be doing some fun stuff. Let's just say, obviously with Norm's guitars down there, and uh, Dave Freeman shop down there and GNL's factory down there. We're going to have lots of fun and it's going to be a couple days. Like I said, it'll be in September. So I'll be filming it in late September, putting content out. Uh, you know, he's the sweetest guy. He just called me out of nowhere. I, I, when I saw him at the PRS event, I went up and just told him how much I like, you know, him as a musician and as a YouTuber. And, and, uh, and, uh, he, then he reached out to me afterwards and said, Hey, let's do some hangouts and do some content. And we're going to try to do some content. So for his channel, maybe we'll do some more gear related content and kind of get into diving into gear for his viewers. And for us, I want to get into not only some, how to improve the way we play kind of content, but also talking about, you know, this man has, he's, he's played, he's played on over a thousand albums. You know what I mean? So let's talk about some of the cool stuff and how does that work? And, you know, 
so uh so that's coming that's exciting and that's 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 gonna be really cool so uh obviously when i go i'm gonna be taking a guitar and a pedal board so i'm gonna be building on a pedal board so I'll, maybe i'll talk about that because i think that'll hopefully i'll you'll find that interesting and if not i promise i'm gonna have a blast yeah tim pierce uh yeah yeah hannah's like Tim pierce yeah you know what you know what i'm hoping i'm hoping if i'm just in the room with him i get one percent better at playing guitar <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling like, you know what? I've interacted with some guitar players that are amazing guitar players and teachers, but just something about Tim. I just know that just being around and him for even a short period of time, I think I can, he can fix some holes in my playing and help me some stuff. And just, I don't know, great stuff. And, and then, like I said, that's the content I want to share with you guys, right? One of the videos I want to do, I don't want to give away too much too soon, but one of the videos I, I want to do is basically, you know, kind of like a fix me in uh, five minutes or less. Like, in other words, like, you know, uh, you know, I, maybe I'll play a lick and be like, okay, tell me how to make this look better. <laughs> you know what I mean? What would you do? How would you approach it? How is a, how is me the novice approaching it versus the professional? How is it different? And not instead of him, you know, doing something, me do it. And then he can show me how to make it, you know, marginally better or you know, he'll do it amazing, but just improve me marginally. I don't know. Lots of good content because of the best reason. It's not sponsored by any companies we're not doing. It's not like a get con. We're not involved in any companies. We're paying for this. I'm driving down with my own dime. He's, you know, we're, we're, it's just about some YouTubers that want to do, uh, uh, hang out. We just want to hang out and bring you guys with us and see what happens in LA with a bunch of, uh, talented, uh, musicians and me, <laughs> I won't put myself, uh, 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 in the same category as those guys, but I, I'll at least be the one to, to get some content out to you guys. Okay. Um, what else? Um, we have, uh, Jordan. Hey, Jordan, uh, says what pickups would you recommend for uh tune down Epi Les Pauls tune down to C, uh, or B usually obviously for heavy metal, doom stoner, etc. Yeah. You know, um, so the, the, the thing about that is, is I've had bad luck with really low tunings and high output pickups. So I would stay away from high output pickups. And um, so like the DiMarzio X2Ns and stuff like that, I'd stay away from that. Um, you know, uh, everybody's gonna have different things, but I, I would say in my, my mind, when you tune down low and you have low frequencies, I'm gonna talk to you for a second like a bass player. There's a reason why bass guitars have the type of electronics and pickups they do, because low frequencies are, uh, I'm going to say the word bitchy. And I know that's kind of not the right term for this kind of ch channel, but you know, we'll assume that that word is PG 13 and we're okay. But the truth is that those frequencies are, they're difficult. So I like active pickups for bass for that reason, active pickups for guitar. There's some, there's some downfalls. There's some good things, but in the low tuning thing, the Fishman fluence, the EMGs, the, uh, Seymour Duncan blackouts, man, I just a fan of those. Now I'm not a metal doom stoner rock player. Uh, so I can't tell you from the experience of like, this is what I would you know recommend, but, but I will tell you right now, if you're tuning that low and you're staying that low, definitely look at like, you know, Fishman Fluence and stuff. And here's why, because I got to play like one of the, you know, Toast and Abasi guitars and it had the Fishman Fluence and it pickups in it. And, um, you know what I mean? That's the way to go. So something like that. I, that's what I'd look for. I think you'd be uh, uh, happier for it. So it's a good suggestion. And relatively, they're not much more expensive than any kind of boutique you know, passive pickup you can buy. Uh, the Guitar Pit says, hey, Phil, anything about Splon guitars? I didn't know Splon made guitars. I would assume they make guitars now like 
kind of like Friedman makes guitars and amps. So I'm going to spawn amps. Uh, there is a cheap one on, on Guitar Center used, but I couldn't find much info. Looking for unique stuff to review for my channel. So Guitar Pit, what I would say is, here's my guess. Um, you know what you should do? You should reach out to Splon. What's great about companies, you understand something. When you call Dave Freeman, you know, you call Freeman, you can get Dave Freeman on the phone. You call Splon, you can get these, you can get the guys that know what's going on with the company on the phone. These companies are not corporations. They're not so big that if you call customer service and they're like, oh, we went through our records, we didn't find it. I mean, literally you're going to talk to a guy who's like, yeah, I've been working here for 23 years. What is it again? Oh, I remember we did that, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, so, no, don't be, ever be afraid to reach out, you know, especially if you're, you know, like I said, be honest. You're like, hey, I found this guitar. It's kind of odd. Do you know anything about it? And uh, you would help me out. And can I email you a picture of it or something like that? My guess, if it's a Splon guitar, um, it was obviously at some point, uh, everybody dabbles in everything, right? So Splon amps probably messed around with guitars. Or maybe it's as interesting as somebody just copied the name Splon and they got a cease and desist and had to stop. Who knows the story, but I would bet you the best informed person would be a Splon. If not, if, if you can't go that route, always try to find like a forum for that amplifier. There's always a Splon forum or a, you know, Fargen's uh, forum. You know, there's always a, you know, that kind of thing. But that's where I would start that search for sure. And then let me know what you discover. Uh, send it to me because I'm always curious and, and not only curious about the guitar, but curious about how that advice you know yielded any results uh if you know if you called them and they were jerks and didn't want to tell you anything or if they were just helpful but my experience is uh definitely call smaller companies uh and if as long as you're respectful of their time and stuff they're they should always be good to you um let's see uh tj tj newton said damn you got a hundred dollars uh i don't think it was a hundred dollars it was a hundred uh, you have to look when you super chats, somebody said once I got $5,000, you have to understand we are guitar players from all around the world and you have to look, uh, Serang could probably tell you Serang don't super chat it. But if you can tell us what country you're from, uh, cause it, whatever we got, we got a hundred dollars in his currency. So like sometimes it's euros. I saw euros today. I don't know what the R is. Um, I once got like, um, uh, like a, a, a 500 Chilean pesos, which I think equated to $7 American. So that's how that works. <laughs> so, you know, so, um, yeah, cause it was funny. Cause somebody actually sent me a nasty email. They said something like somebody gave you $5,000 and you didn't seem appreciative. And I was, uh, so I, that's why I'm mentioning it now. I didn't want anybody to think that I was like, wow, a hundred dollars. And I don't say anything hundred. It, it, trust me. It's a hundred dollars of their currency, uh, or hundred of their currency, but it, it's, I don't know what the exchange rate, it could be worth $10. It can be worth 50. I never get to know until days later. Uh, unless I Google search it. I'm sometimes curious. That's how I found out what the Chilean pesos were. I was like, what, what is 500 that equates, equates to $7? So I looked. Um, uh, let's, what else do we got? Uh, hold on a second. Um, Mr. Big eight baller says I just bought an open box Fender American elite telly for 1400 bucks. Any advice? It's my first telly. Should I still do a setup? And what would you mod? I didn't see a, a the treble bleed circuit on it. Uh, so Fender American elite telly. I am not familiar if they did put the treble bleed circuit on there. I know they did it on the American professional and I'm looking at American professional deluxe right now to purchase and it has the treble bleed. Uh, but, uh, uh, 1400 bucks sounds good. Open box buy. Right. Uh, knew they're what? 15. No elite. They're like 18. Right. So that's good. 400 bucks off. Right. Almost 
Does that sound right? Something like that. Um, as a first telly, you can't go wrong. Uh, setup wise, you know, it should be set up generally out of the box, but that's, you know, whatever you want to fix mods. I, I don't know. That's the whole point. A Fender Elite guitar and Telecaster is supposed to be done. Lock, it's got the lock and key. It's got a better cut nut. It's got rounded off frets. It's got, uh, you know, uh, you know, better electronics. There's nothing I would upgrade. Uh, it comes with strap locks. You know, uh, you, you bought the guitar that's not supposed to need stuff. In fact, I would almost recommend not to mess with it because I can tell you from the experience of doing a lot of deluxes, I've done, I've never done an elite. So, you know, I've never actually modded a delete elite for any customer, but I've done a lot of deluxes. Every time somebody seems like do a deluxe, uh, strat or telly, uh, they almost are never happy because they're like, ah, I should have left it alone. So yeah, because it's because that's why Fender makes it. The whole point of the Deluxe and Elite is like Fender goes, hey, when people buy our guitars, they put locking keys, they upgrade the pickups, they upgrade the bridge, they upgrade the stuff. And uh, so we made that guitar, put strap locks on it. So there you go. Leave it alone. Best advice ever. So at least the cheapest advice ever. Uh, what else do we got? And hold on. I got a pen because we're at the hour mark, but we're going to go a little long because we got uh, some super chats and it pushed us into like bonus round. So, uh, all right. Uh, okay. So Randy McLeod, uh, Clard, sorry, McLeod, C-L-I-R-D, Clard. Uh, Randy McLeod says, hello, Phil. First live show here. Welcome. I have an Epiphone P93 that will not stay in tune. I filed, sanded the nut slots, oiled them. But if you touch the Bigsby, uh, they are all sharp. They are all sharp after. Yeah, because now you're adding a new element, which is the Bigsby. Uh, the the now now we talked about this before uh, a week or two ago. Remember we talked about the when I said there's tuning instability. A lot of times it's going to be the nut. Well, if your nut is correct. You've now eliminated one process. The next problem is going to be the bridge and Bigsby's tend to, if you look at just from the side, put your, your, your guitar on it, you know, somewhere where it's safe or it's on a table or something. And if you push the Bigsby down, look at how the strings react. They don't actually, not like a normal tremolo. They actually kind of flop out and then flop back in, right? It's a really weird process to watch, right? When you're doing the, when you're doing the bridge. Um, so a lot of players use a roller bridge, man. You know, let's go back old school to Scott Grove. You know, one thing about Scott Grove's channel was he was uh, uh, such an advocate for roller bridges and stuff. And uh, you can't fault his logic. I always agreed with him 100% on that, you know, roller bridges. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm a broken record when it comes to locking nuts or locking tuning keys on guitars. He was a broken uh, record on roller bridges. I think if that's something you should look into is a roller bridge on the guitar. I've had good luck with um, using bridges like uh, from Graft and stuff where they're lubricated or they're minimized this friction i think you can get away with that but in a lot of cases go roller um i did a modification to a gretch uh if you saw on my sharp max i did a gretch which i know you have an epiphone but it's still going to be the same kind of concept and if you notice that's what i did that's how i improved the stability watch that video that's was the complaint in that video was he said the guitar did not stay in tune i was able to keep the guitar from going out of tune i did it with graph tech uh, saddles it worked fine I even said in one of the comments, there's a re somebody asked me why not 
roller bridge and i said because graph tech provided the slots are the uh the bridge and that bridge was fine if i was purchasing a bridge i might go roller i'm not sure but obviously it worked you know what i mean and since they were providing the bridge i tried it and i had good luck so uh, again uh, just like the nut you need the lubricant uh, you need to minimize lubricate and minimize the friction from the actual bridge itself that is the next step there you go. Okay, next we have Newell 1000 says, any experience with Warmoth Gibson scale conversion necks? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of getting one for my telly to make it more of what I'm used to, plus get rid of the maple fretboard. Yes. So what you're talking about is they actually make two different conversion necks, but obviously you're talking about the Gibson one, the shorter, the 24 and three quarters scale neck. Yeah, I've installed, uh, Warmoth, I've installed all three of their conversion necks for customers. I did the wider neck because they make a wider, as far as some people who complain, they have big giant paws and they, the, the fender necks are too narrow. Uh, width wise, you can get a neck from Warmoth that's wider and it fits into the fender pockets. I've done that neck and uh, the, the customer was uh, greatly satisfied. They were happy. Uh, the Gibson one, which is the same fender, but it converts the scale to 24 and three quarters like a Gibson scale. Um, I actually enjoyed it. You know what I will tell you is, is you put tens on the guitar and they feel like rubbery nines. Uh, so it's cool. Uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's, um, it's a little bit of a different beast. Um, I've done two of the the Gibson scale Warmoth necks, both uh, the seamless install, seamless, uh, you know, uh, you know, playing uh, setup was easy. No issues with the neck uh, feel wise. I, I always thought it was cool. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool. Um, if I was going to add one guitar to my collection, that's different like that. I always thought about doing that. I almost bought at a music store at Zim's actually, he had uh, Fender makes the super, not the supersonic St stratasonic stratasonic because there's an acoustic sonic fender loves sonic right supersonic stratasonics acoustic sonic i think it was stratasonic there's a guitar i think if you google it strat osonic and it's a 24 and three quarters strat with mahogany body uh maple neck and you can get it in dual p90s or dual humbuckers he had a dual p90 should have bought it but i waited and he sold it and i don't know uh but same thing you know, and so you can it was funny i was in his store for like two hours playing it trying to decide if I liked the shorter scale or if it was just, you know, a novelty. And, um, like I said, I, I, I like it. I think it's, uh, it's, it's something fun and it's uh, pretty easy to do. Like I said, I think you'll be fine. If you're thinking about doing it, there's minimal risk and uh, pretty fun reward. Um, let's, uh, ah, uh, Marcelo says pedals through digital amps, like the TR 10, which is the THR 10 is the Yamaha amp, uh, thoughts from brazil um yes uh i put pedals through my rolling cube and through the uh the um katana with no no issues at all i like that um solid state or digital amplifiers tend to do things to pedals that two things that kind of are difficult one they um they sometimes make the pedals bright and harsh that happens sometimes. The other thing that happens sometimes is they um, they exorb the pedal. I don't I don't know how to explain any better than that. But like, let's say if I run a tube screamer in front of a tube amp and it pushes the amp over. Sometimes when you run a tube screamer in front of a digital amp into the front end of a low distortion, it's like it exorb. It, it, turn the pedal on off. You can almost not tell what's going on because the amp is adjusting to the input signal because it's uh, got some kind of you know 
I don't know something like a reactive load, uh, front end load or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm not, I'm not a digital guy, but I, I know. Um, but, uh, I've never tried it with the TXR 10. I, but I have good, a good guess that it would probably do well because I've, I've had great luck with my rolling stuff. You know, the THR 10, I, I wanted to review it. And then, um, they Yamaha approached me and said they wanted to send me one. And, uh, Hopefully that will eventually work out. Now I think I have a new connection with them. The current person, I don't think I, I don't think they understood what was happening. They they part of the deal that Yamaha wanted me to do was I wasn't allowed to disclose that they sent the amp to me, which I told them was not not only not how we do things, but illegal. Um, but I think they were so used to dealing with musician rock stars that they were like a part of a non-disclosure was part of their deal. Like we send you the amp, but you can't tell anybody we sent it to you. And I was like, well, if I that's against the law, I gotta tell them that they you sent me the amp if I'm reviewing it. Uh, so, but I think things change at Yamaha and I think they fixed that hopefully. Uh, okay. Brad Miller says, Phil just got my, my first Marshall DSL 15 used at guitar center, uh, and a two twelve eighty two twenty two cab at a good price. I'm going to say good. It's got a good dollar sign. Excuse me, guys. Uh, it says, uh, I didn't know what I was missing. Uh, Blaming it all on you. Thanks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm glad that, you know what? The DSL 15, I actually dug that amp. Uh, you know what I mean? It's so yes. And, and, and see, and Brad, that's my, 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 you know, that's my thing. I love the lower wattage amps and in, in bigger 212 cabinets. That's my personal, I'm always happy. Uh, Steven says, Steven Laurie says, Hey, Phil, any progress on the Crimson Guitars build kit? I'm just going off what I told you guys last time. They they said they sent one or they're sending one. I haven't got it. Um, on the build kit issue, we'll see. You know what I mean? I figure what I can do is I can keep waiting. I really want to build the Crimson kit. There's, They make a Tele kit, Crimson Guitars. If you guys aren't familiar with the channel, please check out the channel. I'll put a link in the description. They make a Tele kit and they actually, they make it. It's an ebony fretboard. It's made in England. I really think that'd be a nice kit to do, especially for the the kind of the idea of the video I have for the, the guitar. But um, it's uh, we'll see. I'm going to hold out as long as I can for those guys to send it. So, you know, if they don't send it, don't worry. There's going to be a kit because I've been approached by at least a half a dozen companies, including, uh, you know, like anybody from Stu Mac to whatever. They all want me to do a build kit and uh, everybody wants you to do a kit. And I've, uh, I've been pushing it back because of a ton of reasons. And this, this one really appeals to me. So I'm going to do whatever I can to hold out for these guys. They, they're really good guys. They, they make good quality stuff. Um, and, I, and, and, and I think a lot of you guys would be curious because that's not a kit. A lot of people have tried. There's definitely not a whole lot of YouTube channels. I saw talking about that specific kit. So we'll see. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll prompt again. But like I said, uh, you know, I'm sure because they build it and stuff. And and remember, they're sending this to me on their their dime. You know what I mean? They got to pay the shipping. They're sending the product. Obviously, I keep it because once I build it. Um, my plan is I, I might do a giveaway with it. Depends how it comes out. I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. Something else. Um, so we'll see. But uh, I promise whatever it is will be fun. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I am just give me guys a second to scroll. Okay. The question, uh, so Beaver Monkey put a question, but I'm having trouble understanding. It says, long you stop playing guitar due to guitar injury. Uh, so the question is, I, I guess, are you asking me how, how long have I stopped playing guitar due to a guitar injury? 
Um, I will tell you this, the longest I've ever gone without playing guitar due to an injury was probably in the, because uh, the longest I've ever not played guitar is long years. I've not played guitar for years because I played bass only for, for at least three, four years of my life. I only played bass, no guitar at all. Uh, I didn't even own a guitar for those three years. Um, but, uh, I can tell you this, the longest I never played bass because an injury was in the army. I used to, uh, I dropped it. Well, I didn't drop it. Let's just say a tanker bar. If anyone knows what a tanker bar is, some of you guys right now are saying, Hula. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, tanker bar, uh, smashed my hand bad enough, uh, that, uh, I didn't play guitar for a while. Um, so, uh, it was bad. So, uh, but, uh, that was probably a month, two months. So nothing, nothing horrible. So I've never had any long stints where I couldn't play guitar. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Shogun Gecko, Shogun Gecko said, when did you decide to trademark and protect your IP? Uh, was it before you started or after you started a channel to, to build? Um, so here's the deal with the IP. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I love it, man. I never get those questions. Um, so hopefully you guys will find this interesting about trademarks because it is relevant because we're musicians. Trademarks are different than copyrights if you guys don't know, understand how trademark works versus a copyright. The first thing about a trademark is that different that's about a copyright uh, is that you kind of, there's, there's three things you have to have to get a trademark, okay? You can't just trademark something. Okay. You can't say it's like a copyright. If you come up with an idea, you can file it, you know, copyright it. There's all these, you know, things people like, ah, oh, mail myself stuff. There's all these things that people say, but you know, copyright, obviously you can file a copyright. Um, trademark works a little different. Here's why first to have tra to, to trademark, cause I own a couple trademarks. So here's how it works to get trademark. First, you have to, uh, uh, what are the three elements? First, it has to have a secondary meaning. So in other words, you can't trademark everything. So my, the analogy, my friend who's an attorney gave me when I did it was, Hey, look, you can't trade work trademark American and you can't trademark an airline, but you can be American airlines, right? You can't trademark an Apple and you can't trademark the word computer, but you can be Apple computers, secondary meaning. In other words, now it means something other than what it meant before. So first, that's the first element of trademark. Second thing is you have to, um, it ha has to be public obviously. And it also has to have commerce. So in other words, money has to transpire. So when I trademarked, uh, trademarked know your gear, the reason why I trademarked it had nothing to do with intellectual protections, IP, uh, right? Uh, I wasn't trying to protect it. I was trying to stop any from messing with me. So I trademarked Know Your Gear because if you guys all know, the t-shirts were not done on purpose. I wanted a t-shirt that said Know Your Gear because it was a thing. I'm not the Know Your Gear channel. I own the Know Your Gear channel now, but I this channel is Phil McKnight. My channel has been Phil McKnight since day one. I, I, I've never been Know Your Gear. Know Your Gear was the thing I said at the end of the videos. <laughs> and, then, and then it kind of took on its life its own. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool to make a shirt that said, know your gear for me. And I went to a local guy and he wanted a hundred shirts to be made to, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to order a hundred shirts. So I went to a online supply company, you know, where you order it and they ship them. And they said, uh, any amount and they'll ship me a shirt. So I, I set up the shirt and ordered it. And then I thought, well, maybe I should ask people if they want one. So I asked you guys, if you want one? I sold a couple dozen and I thought this is the greatest thing ever. And then a couple of you guys, out of nowhere, sent me pictures of you with the shirt. And I thought, this is the coolest thing. And so I just started putting the pictures up, you guys. And then that that grew. It, it, like I said, I didn't actually sit there one day going, see, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll trademark this and then I'll monetize it. And I just didn't have a plan, man. I thought for sure 
I, I was always still to this day shocked anybody's watching and I'm still shocked anybody's watching now. I'm appreciative of you guys watching and I love hanging out with you guys as anyone who's bumped into me in public knows I'll talk to you for hours. Um, but, um, on the side note, uh, so the reason why I trademarked it was, I'll be honest, it was when I sold about, I can't think, I want to say a thousand or it was a couple, it was, it was, it was when all of a sudden I realized like a lot of people have these shirts and it wasn't like, I better trademark this so people don't copy it. In fact, here's a little interesting fact for you guys. Um, people constantly, uh, ask and it's, uh, it's allowed if you want to just take my logo and wear your shirt, you know, cause some people will say, Hey, in the country I live in, can I just take your logo and make me a shirt? Yeah. You want to make yourself a shirt? I don't, I don't care. Make yourself a shirt. Do I want you to make shirts and compete against me? I'd probably stop you from that. Um, <laughs> because you know, I don't want you to make money off something I'm working to do. Obviously that's how I'm paying these bills. But uh, you, you know, some people, if they don't have 20 bucks to buy a shirt, I understand that. And if they want to make their own shirt, make their own shirt. You're supporting my channel. That's the purpose of the shirts anyways, to support the channel. Um, but what happened was what I was really afraid of was was that one day somebody would say, hey, you don't have the right, me, meaning me, to do this and then try to stop me or infringe some kind of uh, uh, against me, against, against anything, uh, whether it be my channel or what I say. And so I only trademark everything to protect myself, not in the income stream concept of it, but in actually the reverse of that. Um, I don't make enough money to worry about uh, anybody trying to jump on me and go, Hey, I'm going to do this too. And, you know, take, you know, it's not like a, I'm, I'm Gucci and somebody's going to make fake Gucci's and I'm going to lose millions of dollars. Literally, if you make copy, you know, your gear stuff, you'll make tens of dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, it will hurt me because <laughs> I don't make enough money to go, you know, you know, to be like crazy, but, uh, it's not a big enough you know, thing to, to worry about that way, but it is dangerous in the other way. I don't want anybody to be able to come to me and say, okay, look, I own this now and you can't, you know, use it. So that's why it's trademarked and it's all under, under that protection. So, and that's, and I think that's good advice to give anybody just go ahead and trademark it and pay to do it. It's not super expensive. Um, you know what I mean? Especially if you have commerce, cause this is what you need anyways. I was making the shirts. So I might as well protect them. Uh, okay. Um, we're getting a little late, but there's a couple more questions I got to hit. So let's hit them. It says, Hey, Phil, looking at, at looking a, at a used valve tronics, 212, 120 watt, your thoughts on the amp. Is it worth $300? Everything works and it's in good shape. Um, I played the Veltronics, uh, the valve tronics. I forgot which one I had. I thought it was a 40 watt. If that makes any sense, like it was the 110 or 112. I enjoyed it. Um, in fact, so you know what happened with the Veltronics with me, and this maybe helps your situation. I bought it, loved it, and then I thought I did the thing that sometimes we do. I go, well, if I like this, I'll like the real thing better. And I sold it, and I bought an AC30, and I wish I kept the Veltronics. Uh, I enjoyed it more. It, 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 it was just more of my style. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking at getting that, it sounds good. 300 bucks, you know, I mean, that sounds like short money for 120 watt, 212 amp. Um, so... If it sounds like a good deal to you, I'm not familiar enough with the market on that amp to know if that's the going price or whatever. But, you know, to me, uh, it's not much more than, you know, a small practice amp. So, uh, okay. Greg's question is guitar and speaker chords. If, is there a difference? Wait, if the difference isn't obvious when the end is unscrewed, how do you tell them uh, easily apart? Um, well, most speaker cables have, uh, some kind of writing on them. Generally, that's that's how I tell. Uh, it, you know, I, I I don't know because I've never really come across. Uh, but how I really tell is this. 
Um, a speaker cable, think of it this way. It's safer for me. I would rather take this a cable. If I had a cable and I didn't know if it was a speaker or a guitar cable. And some of the easy things, obviously, is length, right? Speaker cables are not very long for guitar players. You know, PAs, you might be looking at 20 and 50 foot cables, but generally guitar players are looking about three to six foot cables. But to me, it's easy. Just plug it into the guitar amp. In other words, don't use, if you have a guitar cable and you're not sure if it's a guitar cable or a speaker cable, don't use it as a speaker cable use it as a guitar cable so in other words if you have a speaker cable and you plug it in as a guitar you'll hear the noise and you'll know right away that's a good way to do it um and uh that's how i've usually kind of tested like you know hear that humming right away and you're like okay this is probably a, a speaker cable and then um uh so that's that's a good way to do it but usually it's written somewhere on there um i've never had the problem uh you know i'm sure there's somebody out there who's a, a technician for the kind of pas and stuff i'm sure that's more of a problem for them if you have a suggestion put it in the comments and i'll post it in the answer uh under the answer of this video or under the index um but that's how i've always told mine plus you know i hate to say it i bought all my cables so i kind of know what they are through time you know what i mean um you know just kind of used to it but uh let's see uh michael says input jack on my telly uh went loose i just ordered a jack tightener right away uh thanks for the uh, cool and unique gear vids oh cool yeah I, I love the jack tightener uh yes i'm glad you got it that's awesome thank you uh that was one of those things that's what's uh, cool about those uh, five things videos that i'm doing is it allows me to put stuff in there that maybe doesn't warrant a full video in them that was the idea of these is if i put it with a couple interesting things and a couple unique things maybe that's a new format I'm really enjoying it. I'm actually ha having the most fun. So the good news is whether you guys like the five things or videos or not, uh, five different product videos, I'll continue to do them for a little while because I enjoy doing them. Uh, and they, and so, you know, they take twice as long to make, uh, in editing, <laughs> maybe three times. Um, so, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and Okay, is that it? Okay, cool. All right, let's see if uh, a couple quickies, quick uh, fun questions, and then we'll... Okay, hold on a second. I'm sorry, guys, but when you're talking for an hour straight, you lose your voice. Um... <laughs> Dirk Cloud says, why doesn't McDonald's sell hot dogs or pizza? I don't know, man. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, a couple quick ones. Uh, Colin says Crate Stealth. Any good? He's talking about the old Crate Stealth amps that were designed by Lee Jackson. Uh, it's a tube amp from Crate. I used to own one. I used to love it. It's one of those amps that I haven't heard it in 20 years, and I always wonder, you know, is it good now? You know, so you ever guys remember, you know, like kind of like the, the Digitech DSP21 was I thought was the greatest thing in history when I had it. And uh, then you buy it again, you know, or a friend bar let me borrow it like five years ago. And I thought, oh, it's not how I remember it. Uh, <laughs> it's not that it was so much horrible or anything. It's just, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, I don't know, man. But I just thought when you brought it up, I, I owned one for like five years. I love it. So, okay. And we'll final up now with the, uh, what else do we got? Uh, 
you know what we'll do? I'll do a quick announcement and then we'll do a, two last questions. The quick announcement that's important for me is uh, is uh, because we're already halfway through the month and where are we at? Let's talk. Uh, tell you real quick. Hey, we got to pay for the channel somehow, right? Um, we are going to do this short of the month. Uh, if you guys don't know, you can't. Uh, you can tell. Uh, we every month we do a different shirt. Uh, this month is the SG. It's the red SG uh, because Ralph got to pick it. I don't know if I told you that. Uh, Ralph got to pick. It was an SG, and uh, he wanted a he wanted one in red, so he got one in red because he has a red SG. The only thing that's noteworthy is something that's interesting. Hold on. That I also want to point out is here's a shirt that's really not for sale, but for sale. And so Justin Mabe uh, is a patron and he got a custom shirt because some, some of the, the, the top tier patrons, when they hit a certain level, they get custom made shirts. And um, so anyway, so he had a custom Les Paul gold top shirt made. That's the important part. Uh, what happened was I liked it so much. I had one made, but here's what happened while it was being made and produced and sent to him. The first one got lost in the mail. So my wife had to make a second one to send to him. And during the second one, 15 of you guys bought one. And then a couple more of you bought one. And now we've sold, I don't know, a couple dozen, right, of these shirts. So what I noticed is she's leaving it in the queue. And then she told me she's going to do something for Justin uh, Mabe to say thank you and give him something a little special. But I don't know how long the gold top Les Paul shirt is going to be for. I know this is like a little, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, sales mini of it. But like I said, again, the shirts and merch and a uh, Patreon and views is how the channel is paid for. So you know what I mean? It's how it's how it works. Um, but, uh, the, the point is, is that shirts like this, they only have it for that month and then they go away. Uh, you know, so something fun. Um, all right, let's do two last questions since you guys had to kind of suffer through that spiel. <laughs> and, uh, here we go. Uh, J Squared Productions says, Hey, Phil, love your work. I bought an Epiphone jazz box uh, from GFS. I can't identify it through, though. Can you help? Uh, so an Epiphone jazz box. Well, how from GFS? I can't identify it. Yeah, I can help. Uh, you have to send me uh, send me a, a, a picture of it to pmcknight7 at gmail.com and then put your sign on in the, in the subject and I'll do my best. Uh, what's nice if I can't figure it out, I'm sure I can send it off to a friend who also knows as well. I hope that will kind of get you going there. Um, and okay. What else? Um, I'm trying to think of a cool one to end on since we, it was a great week and we went in on a good, good note. Um, Uh, I haven't tried. Somebody's asked me about the Katana Mini, and just because it came up a couple times, it says I have a Katana Mini. Is it okay for what what it is? I, I haven't tried the Katana Mini, um, so you know, I just haven't tried it. I know the Katana Air is like the new thing. I saw like Tyler did it and Mary Spender, and you know, but I don't know. I haven't tried it. I have no access to it, so I'll have to I'll have to see. Maybe in my local store, you know, if I hit a local guitar center or something, they have it. Sometimes the guitar center has the the Boss amps, the Katana amps. So, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. See, now it's funny. It's like you guys are waiting for these last questions and then I got nothing. Um, Aaron Cram's like, where is John Wayne? You know, it's in the other room. 
So uh, the John Wayne bust uh, that was my dad's, it's uh, in the other room. Uh, now I have behind me, my daughter gave me this giraffe. <laughs> so I have this giraffe. And then I have the Cosmic Hippo. It fell off, but that was there. So I don't know. That's probably not the uh, the, the greatest answer question. I, I You know, I kind of miss doing those John Wayne things. Those were funny. If you guys remember early on in the channel, I used to put the John Wayne bust in the background. And actually, I didn't put it there. What happened was I did a video once, and it just happened to be in the background. And then I would do funny things. Uh, and uh, I stopped doing that. So... Uh, Jan says pro Sonic versus supersonic. Thanks. Love the show. You know, the pro Sonic, here's my answer for that. And, uh, cause I, cause the pro Sonic, I think was designed by Bruce Zinke of Zinke amps, right? I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And, uh, I'm a fan of the pro Sonic. I think a lot of people who love the pro Sonic are like diehard. Uh, if you're not familiar with Fender pro Sonic, here's what my opinion is. I think the pro Sonic maybe wins in turning the volume up and the supersonic wins in turning the volume down and in versatility it just seems more versatile amp but i prefer the supersonic to the prosonic but um i think if we were just going you know down to the tone of it i think maybe the prosonic has a better tone but like i said i think turned down some of that tone goes away so there you go uh uh, and then here's the last question. Mangus put, hey, Phil, what solid state amp would you recommend for gigging? A lot of people probably say the Katana. That's usually what uh, uh, I uh, I would recommend as well. But I will tell you what I use for gigging. Uh, majority of the time when I'm doing, uh, you know, jamming and, and going in small gigs with people and stuff, I take my Roland Cubes. I have Roland uh, Cube 40s, believe it or not, not even the 80s, uh, 110s. And that's what I use. I have two of them. No, I have three of them. I have three of them, different models. I three different versions and um i that's what i like um and for some reason it's funny even though the katana is a little louder and there's a lot of things about it i like about it the katana 50 i i tend to keep bringing that that rolling cube i don't know what it is um there's just something about it so uh that's what i use for solid state amp for small gigging um but the rolling but if uh, in the absence of the Roland and something probably interesting. I think use those Roland cube forties almost go for what a Katana goes for new, uh, 50. So I think they're about $200 used. So there's a, you know, it is what it is, but, um, that's what I use. So those two, and then anybody has suggestions. I'd love to hear them and what you, what you've experienced with that. I'm always curious. Oh, see, here's a good question. Uh, and then Gladrock says, ever use uh, any of the artist tubes in the Roland Cube? So he's talking about the Blues Cube, uh, the the artist tubes. I'm That's another amp too, by the way, the Roland Blues Cube. I should mention I have that too. I have the Roland Blues Cube. I love the Roland Blues Cube. Uh, you know, uh, Guitar Girl uh, did a good video on it. Um, and uh, that's we're checking out. But I don't, I've never done an official review of it. In fact, I don't even think I ever mentioned I have it. There's the... I'm, I have a thing for boss pedals and rolling amps. I love them. And, um, but it's something I, for some reason, never reviewed, even though I have them. So, uh, if that's something you're interested in, put that in the comments, you know what I mean? Uh, it helps me know if I need to bring that to the forefront. So I would do that. Uh, but the rolling cube, uh, blues cube, uh, that's another amp. Definitely. 
I, I gig with that anytime. Uh, that's great. Um, but something on the, so the artist tubes, I've never even tried any of the artist tubes. They, uh, if you guys don't know what I'm, we're talking about the Roland blues cube has these tubes. There's like a Steve I one. There's a Joe, uh, no Steve I, Eric Johnson, Robin Ford one, and you plug them in and they look like tubes, but they're really like thumb drives and you plug them in and they like upload this, the settings or tones. Uh, and please don't correct, you know, don't beat me up if they're not really thumb drives, but, um, uh, but anyways, the point of it is, uh, they're expensive, they're like 300 bucks, man. They're just, I, I just can't do it. Uh, you know, if I ever get a relationship with Roland boss, maybe that's where I can say, Hey, let me check those out because I can't even check them out. You know what I mean? Uh, I would love to check them out. And if I love them, buy them and I'd love to be able to say, you know, oh, yeah, those are nice. And send them back if I don't love them. Uh, so there you go. There you go. Uh, on that note, I think that's it. We went a little over. And, uh, and, uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks for hanging out to the end and supporting the channel. And since we're on the outro, let's go ahead and, and, uh, where are they at? And, uh, do a quick, oops, see, I'm jumping around and I've lost myself. Here we go. What screen am I on? I'm on this screen. I'm on this screen, right? There. I just want to say thank you guys for this week hanging out. I want to thank Tim, you know, just Tim, no last name. John Levitt, Space Jazz, Paddle Pal Effects. By the way, Luis and uh, and uh, and uh, 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 what is wrong with me? Um, uh, anyways, uh, those guys have been really great to me. I want to point that out to Pedal Pal Effects. Please check out their pedals. Um, it's El Luis and Alvaro. They uh, they're great. Uh, Ricky Robinson, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, Dylan eighty seven, uh, Russ at Taurus Pedals, Brian Stewart, Lee Hawkins, Kermit Jackson, Steve Penna. Bob Crosley, Aaron, Anthony, Daniel Psychic, Andrew Good, Anthony Desposito, BV Ninja, and Tony uh, have been fantastic supporters of the channel. I appreciate everything you guys do. I, like I said, I try to do a, sh a shout out to e every time we do one of these to some of the supporters of the channel because, like I said, they make this stuff happen. Uh, and so do you guys watching this video, supporting this channel. You guys have done more than I can ever, ever uh, repay. And until next week, uh, we'll see some content in between now and then. And until next week, we'll talk on uh, next Friday. Know your gear.